Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Do you remember when the Bengals were struggling? Struggling. Do you remember when Joe Burrow looked nothing like himself? Do you remember when my main man, Lou Anarumo's defense, also looked nothing like itself? Sidebar, quickly, full stop. How about the talking heads going on and on about Lou? Lou's going to be a head coach. Yeah, no kidding. I've been on my man Lou Anarumo for years. I love him. Hell yes, he's going to be a head coach. Anyway, do you remember when his defense also looked nothing like itself? Remember when the Niners were an unstoppable winning machine with a quarterback who was undefeated in games where his elbow did not explode? Do you remember all that? It was only a few weeks ago, right? Do you remember all that? Neither do I. Man, that feels like not a few weeks ago, but a long, long time ago. It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, and lately the Niners have been taking dumps in their pants. That's what they've done lately. And lately, the Bengals have looked like the Bengals once again. And more importantly, Joey B., Looks like Joey B yet again, which is why the Bengals look like the Bengals again. Oh, and one more reason. The Jack Savage streak is alive. They're 2-0 when he's in attendance. So, when Joey Burr is healthy, and Joey Burr is moving well, and Joey Burr is making plays like he did in the first quarter, and Jack Savage is showing up to see it, The Natty is awfully tough to hang with for anybody. And for anybody who still doubts that, just point them to yesterday's tape. You could even just point them to this very play. And from the pocket, Burrow now stepping back, trying to find some breathing room, and it's still alive as he throws, and it's caught by Higgins. What a sensational play. Seriously. I'm pretty sure that Frisco fan and Frisco player knew right then and there that it was going to be a long Frisco day. Hey, Frisco fan, you had to know right then what time it was, right? Because that right there is the real Joe Burrow. The real Joe Burrow is still one of the best players in the NFL and one of the baddest dudes around and one of the coolest dudes around. And I'll let Jamar Chase get even more colorful with the description because my guy is not wrong. I actually made a comment on that mid-play. I was like, damn, that's a tough motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So, like, (laughs) hey, for real, man. Hey, for real, man, is right. Hey, for real, man. He is that. It's true. For real. It is so true that you can easily get away with a full MF bomb in your post-game media scrum. Because everybody in that scrum just had to sit there nodding in agreement. Like, for real, man. Hey, for real, man. Was somebody going to challenge him on that? Is there anybody anywhere who would take exception to that? Maybe if you don't like the language. But not the sentiment, not the merit. Not the substance. Not the fact, not the take. That was a legit performance by the Bengals and the Bengals quarterback and the Bengals defense against one of the best teams in the NFL, in their house. Except all of a sudden, the Niners don't suddenly look like one of the best teams in the league. 
and Big Clock Brock no longer looks like a dude who can do no wrong. Because actually, frankly, he's doing quite a bit wrong. Although I'm not totally sure how much of that yesterday was his fault. Turns out rushing Purdy back from a concussion in six days to start against the Bengals was not the best idea, especially with a bye week coming up. And man, do the Niners ever need that bye week. I'm not sure I've ever seen a team this good limp this hard into a bye. And Brock better use that bye to get right because right now Frisco is all bleeped up. All bleeped up. And not just offensively either. What the hell happened to that defense? But, but, if there's any consolation, Frisco was not the only contender that took a big dump in their pants yesterday. Looking at you, KC. I guess it was bound to happen after 16 straight dubs over Denver. Broncos country, you did it. Broncos country, you're finally riding. And no, I did not pick them to win that game. The 16-game Kansas City winning streak over Denver is finally over. It's finally done. A streak that dated all the way back to 2015. Finally done. Patrick, this is crazy. I don't know if you're aware of this stat. Patrick Mahomes finally lost a road game in division for the first time in his entire career. The hell is that? Like, I thought the guy was going to go his entire career without ever losing a game in division. And what did it take? All it took was the flu. Not taking anything away from the Broncos, but Mahomes did have the flu. He looked and played like he had the flu. And then on the other side, Russet Potato Wilson once again did not play like a sack of potatoes. He actually played pretty well again. In fact, Russet, Russet has the fourth best passer rating in the NFL right now, if you can believe that. I mean, be honest. Did you see that guy resurrecting himself and playing that well this year? I didn't. And the dude that he's right behind is none other than Kirk Cousins, a.k.a. the dude that just blew out his Achilles in the middle of arguably his best season ever. This dude was playing lights out on a team that had put itself back in contention, and he's a free agent to be. And I know a Vikings fan is used to misery. Hell, Vikings better is used to misery. I know a Vikings fan is used to kicks in the stick. I know it's all D and B. So much of the time for Vikings fan, which is why I totally understand how miserable you have to be right now, how frustrating that Cousins injury is. I mean, Vikings fan can't even enjoy that total ass-kicking they put on the pack in Lambeau yesterday. Nor can Vikings fan enjoy the three wins in a row and the four in the last five games and the season theoretically hopping right back on the rails over the past few weeks. They can't because what are they going to do at quarterback? Now all they can think about is who the hell is going to play quarterback for the rest of the season? And look, I've got absolutely nothing, nothing against Jaron Hall. He's been in the jungle before. Good dude. And it is pretty incredible that he won the Minnesota backup job in the first place. However, he is a fifth-round rookie. And it is a big, big ask to run that guy out there, shove him into the fire, and tell him the expectation is to compete for a playoff spot. 
which is exactly what the expectation for Minnesota was right up until Cousins snapped his Achilles. Bad break. The only silver lining here, if there is any, is there's still time before tomorrow's trade deadline, right? There's time, but are there options? Are there good options? I mean, Ryan Tannehill? Try and run it back with Case Keenum? Sign Colt McCoy off the street? Not good options. Not good options. And hearing all that, I'm guessing it makes Vikings fan want to start screaming like LaFib. I don't know if that was Kirk letting out that roar when the Achilles snapped. Or if that was Vikings fan upon realizing that Kirk was done. I don't know. I know this. Losing your starter is miserable. There's no way around that. Especially playing as well as he had. Then you have the two teams in New York. They know all about losing their starting QB. Damn. (laughs) Damn, New York. That was one hell of a battle for NYC yesterday. Step back for a minute. I mean, you know, it, it, it actually never happened, whatever it is, unless it happens in New York, right? Everything in New York is the most important thing ever. Everything in New York is bigger than anything ever. So what do you think the battle for New York City represents? How enormous must that be? How big must that be? How great would that crown feel? I won the Battle of New York for the person who could say that. Yeah, well, did you see that game yesterday? That was some hell of a hideous battle for NYC. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper or What's Your Beef. I mean, really, who knew... Two brutal teams playing a truly terrible game could be so entertaining. Well, at least as long as you're not Brian Dable. Bob Sala, of course, loved it. Over the last 10 years or so, it hasn't been all peaches and cream around here, but uh, to say you're king of New York for at least one more year is pretty cool. No, no, Bob. It hasn't been all peaches and cream around here for the last 10 years. And to tell you the truth, it really wasn't all peaches and cream for the first 59 minutes of that game either, brah. Peaches and cream. It's great to say that you're the king of New York, but right about now, that's not saying a hell of a lot, is it? But as ugly as that game was yesterday, and I have no idea, honestly, 
how the Jets trailed for so much of that game. But in a way, it really doesn't matter. I have no idea how the Jets managed to get to 4-3. and three. Think about that. They were left for dead when Aaron went down. Somehow, someway, they're 4-3 and three with the Coog Hunter under center. So you got to give Robert Receipts a lot of credit. For real. Even if he basically got handed the game yesterday. How did Brian Dable go from the smartest guy ever to what he is now? I don't know what here the Giants were doing at the end of the game, but I know this much. This actually is my favorite stat of the weekend. They had a 99.7% chance to win, according to ESPN stats and info, when Graham Gano trotted out on the field to try a 35-yard field goal with 28 seconds left on fourth and one. 99.7% chance of winning. The Giants could just try to get that yard, and then the game would have been over. Or they could have made that chip shot field goal, and the game pretty much was over. The only thing they couldn't do was butcher the kick and then let Coog Hunter come up the field on two plays, spike the ball with only one second left, and of course, that's exactly what happened. The 0.3% chance happened. The Coog Hunter did almost nothing in that game until the game was on the line, and then the CH came alive. The CH did almost nothing, nothing, but the Giants QBs actually did nothing in that game. You know the Giants passed for minus nine yards in the game? They did less than nothing. I take it back. The quarterbacks didn't do nothing. They did less than nothing and still could have won and still should have won. You imagine throwing from minus nine yards in a game and still winning? They should have. After swapping in for a badly injured Terod Taylor, and again, I like this dude. Have you ever seen a dude with worse luck than Terod Taylor? Tommy DeVito played more than two quarters and passed for minus one yards in more than a full half of football. And don't come in here with some stupid Danny DeVito joke. But if you really want to know a stat that tells you everything you need to know about the battle for NYC, check this stat out. The game had 23 points total and 24 punts total. 24 punts in a pro football game. More punts than points in the so-called battle for NYC. The most punts in a game since 1988. I'm sure the Jets will tell you, man, we don't give a damn how it looks. You know how it looks? It looks four and three. I mean, yeah, scoreboard. But how the hell did they win that game? And those are not the only numbers, the minus yards passing. I mean, the numbers are incredible. If somebody had shown you a stat sheet and said, who do you think won? Here's 500 bucks. Put it on the side of the team that you think won. Every last person in the world, and I don't mean 99.7%, I mean 100%, would have put the money on the Giants, and they still lost. As far as the opening whip around, there's no way I end the whip around without shouting out to Duval. She does it better than me. Neeks, hit it again. Love it. 
Don't look now, but Miss Nika's Jags are 6-2. and two. They just went into Pittsburgh, and they snatched, literally. And believe me, this is a reason to go. It's a reason to go. Somebody's lucky they didn't lose an eye or a nose or an ear or all the above. They were snatching terrible towels away from the Steelers. Check that, the fans, while snatching a win away from the Steelers. Massive win for the Jags. I don't care what you say about Pittsburgh. I don't care how ugly it's been for them. That is still a massive win for the Jags and a rough loss for the Steelers. However, however, the ref show got it even worse than the Steelers themselves because Deontay Johnson absolutely lit the ref show on fire after the game. We can't keep complaining about the refs. Like Coach T said, we can't worry about the refs or whatever, but everybody's different. I don't know. I ain't like the refs today. Like, they must have got paid good today or something, but they blew. They, that field goal, that, that hurt us coming into the half. Like, we needed that. Like, we would have been tied. And they got the ball back. We would have got the ball back right there again. Probably scored. Who knows? That, that field goal hurt us. You ticked about the roughing the passer calls? Yes. Them. They was calling some stupid stuff. Like, they should get fined for calling bad, bad making worse, terrible calls and stuff like that. Like, that's how pissed I am. Like, because they cost us the game. I don't care what nobody says. They cost us the game. Like, like yeah, I got to make plays, them two plays, them catches or whatever, but that don't define me. You know what I'm saying? The whole game. One more, guys. How about them missing the call on Kenny where he hurt his ribs? Looked like he got rough there. Man, they wanted them to win. Bro. They was calling. Everything was in their favor. Like, they were getting every little call. Like, but it is what it is. But we can't. Like I said, I ain't, I'm moving on from it. Like, I'm ready for Thursday. Yeah, it is what it is, all right. The biggest takedown of the ref show I think I've ever heard. I love when he said that, man, they should be fined for making bad calls. Probably they won't, but my man, you will be. I love how he started that with, can't keep complaining about the refs, but let me go on the greatest tirade ever about the refs. About how the refs, quote, got paid good today. About how the refs, quote, cost us the game. About how, quote, the refs wanted them to win. And they wanted them to win. Bro. They was calling. Everything was in their favor. Must be the biggest Jags fans ever. The ref show. And no disrespect. But here comes some serious disrespect. I don't fish on a boat. I fish on a boat. I don't fish on boats, okay, Matt? I fish on a, on a boat. Listen, dude. We all pretty much hate the ref show. But this dude might hate the ref show more than anybody else. I've heard some strong clapbacks on the refs, but nothing like this. I mean, dude almost said, all but said, they were on the take. He did say they cost us the game. He did say they wanted them to win. And they got paid good today. That's what I mean when I say they were allegedly on the take. My man, get your checkbook out because you're about to scratch one of the fattest checks ever for clapping back on the refs. They must have got paid good today or something. But they- Incredible. Let me circle back really quickly. If you had asked me before the game what it would take for the Chiefs to lose to the Broncos, Mahomes having the flu would have just been the tip of the iceberg. I would have also included... Mahomes having leprosy, polio, 
COVID, an amputation of both legs, three broken fingers on his throwing hand. And yet somehow they still lost. I trust the Broncos about as much as Dable trusts Tommy DeVito to throw a forward pass. I would still take Tarod on a stretcher with bad lungs and the inability to breathe over a healthy Daniel Jones. Saquon, my man, triple up on the cold plunge. Enjoy the 75 carries a game that you're going to get for the rest of the season. You want the rock? You got the rock. What a game that was. Hey there, let me talk to you for a minute about HelloFresh. HelloFresh is where you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your front door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Listen, a crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into your dinnertime recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every single week, so there is always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. And with so many in-season ingredients, you'll taste all the freshness of fall in every single bite of HelloFresh's chef-crafted recipes. Produce travels from the farm to your door for peak ripeness that you can taste. Given my schedule, I absolutely love HelloFresh. I love how fresh it is. I love the options it gives me. And I know that I'm eating well. And it tastes incredible. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome and use the code 50Rome for 50% off plus free shipping. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Use that code 50Rome and get 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh is awesome. In fact, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Joined now by Jason McCourty. Jason, obviously, I could tell how busy you are, so I really appreciate you making time. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Really good to have you, and I appreciate you. So let me start with the Bengals, if you don't mind. They had their best win of the year. I mean, they dictated terms. They took it right to the 49ers. In your opinion, is Joe Burrow officially back, and is Cincinnati now officially back? Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And I think when you say is Joe Burrow back, when you watch that game Sunday, you see him scrambling. There was a play where he bought about 15 seconds, it felt like, as he's moving around the pocket, then gets to the outside and finds T. Higgins. But he had 43 yards rushing. That's something that we typically don't always see from Joe Burrow, and we definitely hadn't seen it so far this season. But I think what was as impressive as Joe Burrow was finding Jamar Chase and all of those guys, Joe Mixon, Lou Anarumo on the defensive side of the ball, what he was able to do in the second half to the 49ers and to Brock Purdy, limiting him to just 17 points, I think was equally as impressive. Their defense has been really good. Trey Hendrickson coming off the edge doesn't get a ton of credit, and no one talks about him as an edge rusher as they do some of the other guys, the Miles Garrett, the TJ Watts, but he's been special this season. He's wrecking havoc no matter who he's going against. Jason, I'm so glad you brought him up. Lou is one of my favorite guys in the league. Like, I love this guy. I absolutely love this guy. Any doubt in your mind that he should be an NFL head coach? Thought he was going to be one this past season with the Arizona Cardinals. As he interviewed, he went through that process. They ended up going with John Gannon, who's done a pretty good job. I know that it hasn't equaled wins for Arizona, but they've been in every game. I got to imagine this cycle coming around, Lou Romo is going to be somebody that is at the top of everybody's list. And I, I expect him to be a head coach. I mean, you... 
he limited Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills last year. What he's been able to do over the years at Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City Chiefs offense, he continues to come up with ways. And even this year, Jesse Bates, Von Bell, two safeties that led a lot for them in the secondary. Both of those guys move on in free agency. And now we're watching uh, uh, we're watching the bright, the Taylor Britt at cornerback. We're watching the young guys kind of come up. DJ Turner from Michigan. These guys are out there making plays, and he's putting his guys in position to be successful. Jason McCourty joining us. All right, Jason, what about the Niners? Obviously, they've been hit hard by injuries, but given that they've lost three in a row, what concerns you more, Brock Purdy's level of play or their defense suddenly dropping off the way it has? I'll say the defense. I think when you look at the San Francisco 49ers, Brock Purdy's been really good, and I think he's gotten a lot of the media attention. We're talking about him for a long time. He hadn't thrown an interception. This guy hadn't lost a game that he has started and finished. I don't know what the streak was, but it went from all the way from last year to the beginning of this year. But this is a team that is built on running the football and their defense. Their defense, they early on in the season, they were beating people by an average of 20 points per game. And, yes, the offense was putting up 30. But a lot of that was the defense was going out there and they were playing some football. They get after the quarterback. They were covering people up in the secondary. They have, they have an all-pro at every level, from Bosa to Frederick Warner to Talanoa Hufunga. They have guys all over that defense. And we watched a Monday night. Kirk Cousins was carving them up. Threw him for over 300 some yards, wasn't sacked at all in that game. And then we come back to this game and we're watching the Cincinnati Bengals. And as good as Joe Burrow was, they had over 130 yards rushing the ball with Joe Mixon at the running back position. So for them to be the team that they need to be, to be one of the best teams in the NFC and to possibly be able to get back to a conference championship game, it's going to be lean. They're going to lean on that defense heavy and they're going to have to show up. And the secondary's giving up some plays. Oliver in the slot gave up two touchdowns yesterday. So there's some things that they're going to have to show up, but I think it starts and it ends with their defense. Jason McCourty doing what he does, joining us on the program. Jason, what about Philadelphia? Like, I'm looking at the Eagles and they're seven and one, but more impressive to me is not that they're seven and one, but how they're seven and one. It's so interesting. Like, they're airing it out. What do you make of Philadelphia essentially pounding it out and running their way to the Super Bowl last year, while this year it seems like A.J. Brown goes off for 125-plus almost every single week? Setting NFL records, A.J. Brown with 125 yards plus. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles have been impressive. That's like when you get in an argument with your wife, and it's like no matter what, she just always happens to win the argument. And that's what the Eagles have been. No matter what, they find a way to win the football game. And it doesn't matter. This past game, Sunday, you go out there, they fumbled the ball twice within the five-yard line. They gave up almost 400 yards passing to Sam Howell on the offensive side of the ball for them. But then when it mattered most, they made the play. Reed Blankenship comes away with an interception. Jalen Hurst throws a touchdown pass to Julio Jones, wearing number 80 for the Philadelphia Eagles. With Kyle Brand on our show this morning said it almost felt like a Halloween costume. Julio Brown dressed up as an Eagles player. And then Hassan Reddick comes away with a sack fumble on a fourth down play. So I think what's been impressive to me most is, to your point, Jim, they're airing it out. They're running the ball with Swift in the backfield. But no matter what happens throughout the course of the game, the Eagles find a way to come out on top. Be sure and tell KB I said what's up. Jason McCourty joining us. Jason, let me ask you this. Jalen Ramsey made an immediate impact in his Dolphins debut coming off that knee injury. You could speak to this as well as anybody can. If he's available and he's near right, how will his addition impact the entire dynamic of that defense going forward? Oh, it's huge. And Bradley Chubb after the game talked about not only him being back in his physical play on the field, 
but he said his energy, he said his presence, what he brings. He said as soon as he was out there and he was playing with those guys, he said it's almost as if he brought everybody else's level to where you there's a new standard in the room. You have to play to a championship level. But I think it's huge when you have guys on the outside that can cover and that are physical and tough, like a guy like Jalen Ramsey, it helps Big Fangio so much in how he's calling the defense. And I think along with Jalen Ramsey coming back, they're hopeful that Xavier Howard on the other side, who's missed the past two games with a groin injury. You can get those two guys both back out there all preseason. All we talked about was they may have the best cornerback duel in the NFL. And we've yet to see a game with both of those guys on the outside because that allows Cater Cole to be the slot, which we've seen him have the lineup outside a few times throughout this season because of injury. So I think that changed the entire dynamic of this defense for which Big Fangio can call, how he can maybe pressure and do different things because he has guys on the outside that can cover. Jess, I want to ask you something. I want to kind of go sidebar for a minute because I want to talk to you about your mindset. Now, before social media and new media became so prevalent, athletes used to hit me up all the time when they were still playing and say, I want to get into broadcasting when I'm done playing. Do you have any advice for me? And I would tell them all the same exact thing. It may not be the same thing as your playing days, but you have to attack it the same way. You have to prepare and train for it like an athlete getting ready for the next game or a huge game, even if it's not that that you have to respect the process and attack that process you and your brother obviously understand that I don't want to speak for you but what's your headspace when it comes to your second career how would you describe your mindset and the way you go about preparing and executing now oh Jim you said it. it's about the process and you can't treat that any differently yes you're preparing a different way it's less physical more mental uh, but for me, I look at my career in the league and all I did was transfer it into the new journey and a new goal of mine and a new passion. I was a guy that was drafted at the end of the sixth round and I had to work my butt off to make the team and then to maintain and be able to play for as long as I did. And I looked at this as such a great opportunity of getting a chance to be on Good Morning Football and then Westwood One asking me to call games and now this year doing some for CBS. And I felt so kind of humbled and honored that someone else would believe in me to do those things that I didn't want to let them down. So I've just tried to continue to put my head down and work. And then probably the best piece that I've been able to do is learn from the people around me. Uh, I sit at that desk every single day with Jamie Erdahl, Peter Schrager, and Kyle Brandt. And I learn from them, whether I'm asking them questions or I'm just watching the way they work. I take so many different things away from them. This year, doing games on CBS, calling some with Ross Tucker. I get an opportunity to watch Ross and ask him questions on how, he, on how he prepares or throughout the course of the game, seeing how he operates. Last year, I got a chance to call games with Ian Eagle for Westwood One, and I'm asking Ian a thousand questions and being able to learn from him. So I think no different than when I was in the NFL. You get in, you find a veteran, and you pick their brain, and you watch the way they do things. I've done the same now in my post-playing days careers in the sports media thing, and I'm learning. But you're right, man. It's, it's hard work. My wife sometimes looks at me like, I thought you're supposed to be retired. What's going on here? But I think our marriage works better when I go out the house and then I come home. The family's happier to see me. <laughs> That's it, man. My, my man, you get it. You get it. And it's it, it sounds so logical, but the fact of the matter is not everybody who had the career that you had, 13 years in the NFL and a Super Bowl ring, would treat this second career the way you are. You absolutely get it. Listen, I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. Great to have you on the show, Jason. Great insight, and I do appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. Anytime. 
U.S. Cellular knows how important your kid's relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions to apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. All right, so hopefully you all had a great weekend. And, and obviously some of you did for all the wrong reasons. But I'm hoping you had a great weekend. And even if you did not, there is at least this consolation. For, for you rational, adult, mature people, There is no way listening, anyone listening, who is any of those things, had a worse weekend than Shador Sanders. The Rose Bowl was essentially Shador's own personal house of horrors on Saturday night. For a lot of football fans, I mentioned that Jack Savage saw his Bengals win. Chalk went to the Rose Bowl for the first time. Second time, my bad. He's told me already that it's like... It's two for me. It's like essentially football heaven. The Rose Bowl is like football heaven, according to Chalk. He's not wrong. It's an amazing venue. It really is. If you've never been, it's an amazing venue. Except for Shador. The Rose Bowl was straight up hell. Not only did the Buffs get smashed by UCLA for their fourth loss in five games, they got utterly and completely terrorized by the Bruin front seven. Like, Colorado could not block UCLA at all. I mean, at all. You don't even have to take my word for it. Look at the numbers. Even if you didn't see that game, UCLA had seven seven sacks, 13 knockdowns, 17 hits, 24 quarterback pressures. And as insane as those numbers are, if you watch that game, it seemed like it was so much worse than that even. Because this dude seemed like he was put on his ass every single time he dropped back the entire game. Like, that offensive line was trying to get their own guy killed. Which is why Dion essentially fired his offensive line after the game. Clearly, this O-line is not what he meant when he said, I'm bringing my own Louie. When we're getting negative yards on first down, that's a tremendous loss. Because now you know you're going to throw the ball on second down, and they're they're calling their defenses pertaining to that loss. I just asked that in terms of the big picture, trying to keep Shadur upright, healthy. The big picture, you go get new linemen. That's the picture, and I'm going to paint it perfectly. Here's the thing. Like, I don't want to be super critical of college players, but as long as he is, why not, right? So that offensive line is not Louie. They're not toting their Louie bags around. Man, they're jamming their crap into hefty bags. And they're trying to board the flight. They're trying to check hefty bags with the bell caps. Hefty. hefty. That's not Louie. Hey, sir, 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 the trash can is over there. No, that's my clothing. Those are my personal belongings. Hefty. Sir, you cannot bring your trash on the plane. It's not my trash. That's my suitcase. What, that hefty bag? That hefty, hefty bag is your suitcase. Anyway, 
I mean, like, Dion started that conversation, so I think that's fair, even if they are college kids. It's like telling a room full of scholarship yeah. players to get their asses in the portal. Get to the portal. Like Arnold, get to the portal. Get your ass to Moss. Get your ass to the portal. Get to the chopper! Get to the portal! Get your ass to Before you kill my son. See you at the party, Richter! See you at the portal, Richter! See you at the party, Richter! See you at the portal, Richter! See you at the party, Richter! Isn't it amazing how many lines we can get out of that great movie? That's why I love that movie so much. See you at the portal, Richter! See you at the portal, entire offensive line. See you at the party, Richter! Bennett. Portal! Bennett. Portal! Portal! Bennett. Portal! Bennett. So Colorado still has to play four games. Doesn't get to play four games. Still has to play four games. And, you know, we thought that a bowl game was a foregone conclusion when they started the year they did. Not anymore. The way things are going right now, I'm not sure they're going to get to one. And by the way, I'm not sure they want to get to one. Because they look like they don't want to play another game right about now. And all of this is why coming out in week one and beating a team that just went to the national championship was such a stunning, absurdly impressive accomplishment. When I keep saying that this team had nothing last year and was one of the worst programs in the Power Five, I meant it. And when I said that their Pac-12 grind was going to be miserable, I meant that too. Remember, even as I was hyping them up when they started the year, and I don't take any of that back. They earned all that. Never once did I say, hey, I'm telling you, this is a team that's going to contend for a CFP spot. This is a team that's going to contend for the top of the Pac-12. Never said that. Never, ever said that. Because you knew it was going to get gruesome once conference play started. I mean, there's damn good reason why this team was 1-11 last year. That was the entire point of giving Coach Prime some bleeping credit when they blasted out of the gate 3-0. I hope now, rather than rushing in to kill this guy, you take a step back, you're a little more objective, and you realize why that start was so impressive. It was never because this team had the depth and the overall talent to make a run at the Pac-12. The whole point of why 3-0 was so impressive is because they clearly don't have the depth or the overall talent to make a run at the Pac-12. So now the question is, do they have the depth and the overall talent to even get to a ball game? Do they have the depth and the talent and motivation to find two more wins this season? Especially now that he just effectively sent the entire offensive line to the portal with Richter. That's the picture. I'm going to paint it perfectly. Bennett. So, yes, Prime is harsh and extremely unconventional. But this is what you sign up for when you sign up to play for Coach Prime. And you had to know that if you failed to protect his own next of kin and star player, you were going to get run. You were going to be shown not only the door, but the portal, Richter. That had to be obvious from the jump, right? O-line on the buffs is a really big job and a high standard. It's his opinion that his son is the best player in college football. 
And if you can't protect that asset, you're going to go to the portal with Richter. The big picture, you go get new lineman. See at the party, Richter. So what do you do here? I mean, the thing I do like about this guy a lot, he's not hiding behind any coach speak or any cliches. The big picture, I'm going to get some new linemen. Because these dudes are trying to get my son killed. And as harsh as that was from Dion, that might not even be the harshest thing I heard from a coach uh, regarding his own team this weekend. Charlotte head coach, Biff. Biff Pogey. Credible name with an unbelievable take this weekend. Didn't even wait for the post game to start spitting fire. He did it in an interview with ESPN between the third and fourth quarters of a blowout loss to FAU. Never tell me that those in-game interviews aren't worth it. When we hurt ourselves, we, 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 we're, we're like watching sausage being made. It's just a horrifying experience. Um, and, you know, look. This is football, for God's sake. Just block and tackle people. Do what you're supposed to do. Don't do anything else. Don't talk to anybody. Don't push anything. I don't care what anybody says to you. Just do your damn job. Thank you, Coach. Oh, dude. That is incredible. That is incredible. Thank you is not nearly enough. Thank you, Coach. Can we set up a GoFundMe account for this guy? Thank you? That That's all you have? Thank you for that? That is an all-timer right there. We're like watching sausage being made. Because after all, nobody ever gets to see that because you don't want to see that. You don't want to know what's in the sausage. Quote, we're like watching sausage being made. It's a horrifying experience. We're like watching sausage being made. I, I also absolutely love when he was going on about, man, it doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter what anybody's saying. Nothing matters. Do your damn job. Alvin, I would like to hear that one more time in full, please. When we hurt ourselves, we, 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 we're, we're like watching sausage being made. It's just a horrifying experience. Um, and, you know, look. This is football, for God's sake. Just block and tackle people. Do what you're supposed to do. Don't do anything else. Don't talk to anybody. Don't push anything. I don't care what anybody says to you. Just do your damn job. Thank you, Coach. I mean, would that not apply to anybody in any walk of life? Seriously, you could take that. That that guy should have a TED Talk. They'd be 30 seconds long and be one of the best ever. That applies to everybody and everything in life. You guys like, it's football. It's just football. Just block and tackle and do what you know you're supposed to do. And don't do what you know you're not supposed to do. Don't talk. Don't get hooked. Do your damn job. Do what you're supposed to do. Don't do anything else. Don't stop right there. Do, Do what you're supposed to do and don't do anything else. I'm going to tell you, that's like some of the best life advice I've ever heard in my life. If everybody watching right now, myself included, if everybody listening right now, myself included, did what they were supposed to do and not what they weren't supposed to do and did their job, this world would be a million times better. 
That is some of the best advice ever. For God's sake. For God's sake, man. It's life. These guys like we're like watching sausage being made. It's a horrifying experience. I'll tell you who needs a speech like that. I don't know how to make Who really sense. needs to hear that? Not Colorado. Because, you know, Dion's going to let them have it. USC. Trojan fan. Arrogant Trojan fan. I noticed on my way in this morning, there were a lot less decals on BMWs. You know, because the Trojans are a mess. The Trojans are like watching sausage being made right now. Tell me a team that's more overhyped and more overrated than USC right now. We are joined right now by Kevin Byard. Kevin, so good to have you back, my man. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Just doing a little bit of recovery, you know, on a, on a victory Monday. Um, but, yeah, I'm doing great, man. So much I appreciate you, not only for always being accessible to us, but coming through on a Victory Monday where I know there's some recovery. Hey, listen, I rarely have conversations with the same person twice in the span of a month, but given how big that trade was and how much I do appreciate the relationship, I had to reach out once again. Can you take us through the week you just had? How much of a whirlwind was that? I was just going to actually say that it's definitely been a whirlwind. You know, you talk about, you know, getting traded on the Monday catching an early morning flight on Tuesday, shaking 100 hands, doing a physical, uh, immediately jumping in with the coaches and learning the playbook. I think I got to the facility like at 9 a.m. that morning and didn't get to my hotel room until probably like 8 o'clock that night. And then you're jumping in straight on Wednesday, practice, you know, practicing with the ones and everything. So uh, it's been a whirlwind, but it's been exciting. Uh, you know, I love the challenge. It's almost been uh, reinvigorating, you know, kind of, not necessarily feeling like a rookie all over again, but, you know, learn the whole new playbook, meeting new teammates and all those things. So uh, it's been very fun. And uh, obviously we got a great win uh, on Sunday. So, but, you know, looking forward to another big time game, you know, coming here at home against Dallas, which it's going to be really electric. I'll tell you what, I love that because, I mean, you're a pro's pro, so I would not expect it to go this way, but something like that could be extremely overwhelming, but you embraced the whole thing and just got right into it. Listen, Tennessee, I know you loved it there, and essentially that's all you really knew as a professional. What was your initial reaction when you heard that they were sending you to the Eagles? Did you have any idea that was a possibility? Yeah, I, I didn't really know. Um, obviously, you know, you hear the rumors, you know, I kind of talked to my agent, uh, about some possibilities that it may happen. So I kind of had prepared myself, my mind, uh, you know, obviously prepared my wife. We kind of just talked about it, the possibility that it may happen. And, you know, you just kind of take it, you know, take it in stride. I mean, I kind of just looked at it, that God is just calling me, uh, to a new place. And, um, you know, I had a great, awesome career, awesome time in Tennessee. Uh, I'm always going to be a Titan forever for sure. Um, but I'm definitely excited to be here in Philadelphia, a place where, you know, I was born at. It's my hometown. Exciting to be around family and uh, obviously try to help this team uh, win the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm not here just to be along for the ride. Uh, I'm trying to be here to be a piece, to be an impactful piece. Try to make as many plays as possible in the secondary. We're talking to Kevin Byard. To your point, you've come full circle now. Like, you return to your hometown of Philadelphia. You were born there. You grew up there before the family moved to the Atlanta area when you were 14. Since Eagles legend Brian Dawkins was one of the guys you looked up to on the way up, what's it represent to you to be assigned the locker that he used to use at the Eagles facility? Yeah, it's funny. I didn't even know that until uh, my first uh, practice day on Wednesday. I was talking with the media. And they kind of said, hey, you know, you're standing behind Brian Dawkins' locker. 
And I was like, wow, that's pretty crazy. Um, I know that guy, uh, it's a guy I admire, uh, really look up to when I first started playing safety. Uh, that was like one of my inspirations was Brian Dawkins. Why Brian Dawkins highlight tapes and hype videos on YouTube and things like that. So, and obviously I know he's a, a definitely a God fearing man. That's something that I am as well. Uh, so I know he probably used to play at this locker a whole lot. So hopefully some of those blessings from those prayers that he did, uh, you know, kind of come to me as well. You bet. Kevin Byer joining us. Kevin, of course, you were reunited with A.J. Brown, who you played with on the Titans. I'm curious, what did he tell you about the Eagles once that trade went down? Yeah, I mean, he kind of – I was one of the first guys that I called uh, after calling my family. He was like, hey, man, I'm super excited for you to come here. You know, obviously, we have a great culture. The leaders and everybody is really great. You're going to enjoy it here. He was just like, hey, you know – he just kind of told me, you know, it's going to take a little bit to get adjusted, obviously, because he went through the same thing. But he was like, man, you're going to have so much fun here. Uh, yeah, he just kind of just gave me a little, little bit of tips and pointers about like how to get adjusted, obviously showing me uh, around the building and everything like that. But uh, definitely excited to come here and play with this guy, man. And obviously, you know, he just went bananas yesterday, you know, breaking the NFL record. Uh, but, you know, Julio's here as well. Zach Cunningham, two guys that I also played with in Tennessee. So, uh, and obviously Marcus Mariota, too. So, it's a little bit of Titans reunion going on here in this locker room. We're talking to Kevin Byer. Let me ask you. So, you go from playing for a pretty intense coach, Mike Vrabel, to a guy, Nick Sirianni, who is just kind of a different cat. And I mean that in a good way, right? He's really effective, but probably not very much like Vrabel. I know you've only been there about a week, but what are your early impressions of your new head coach and the overall culture of the Eagles? Yeah, just like I said, I mean, the culture has been great. Uh, I think one thing I would say about this team, uh, or just like you said about Nick, uh, they have similarities as far as they both have a lot of swag. Uh, I think they both had a lot of confidence. He doesn't do as many team meetings, I would say, as Vrabel did. Um, you know, we'll have about three or four, probably five team meetings with Vrabel a week. But, you know, Nick Seriana, he keeps his meetings short, uh, short, sweet, and to the point. Um, but I think here – Obviously, obviously in Tennessee, Vrabel, you know, he's a big personality. He's a great coach, one of the smartest coaches I've ever been around. Uh, so he has a pulse on everything that goes around his team. Uh, I would say that here, you know, the leaders lead, you know, and obviously the leaders do the same thing in Nashville as well. But I would just say, like, it's more like even at the end of games or, you know, at the end of the practice, like, instead of the coaches talking, the players will, you know, come up and, and, and do all the stuff that, you know, you would, I would normally see from uh, Vrabel and things like that. So, I'm not necessarily saying that either way is better, uh, but it's just different. And, uh, you know, it works both ways. So I'm curious, Kevin, how do you approach that? Because you're one of those guys. You're one of those guys. You were one of those guys in Tennessee. Do you immediately step in and be one of those guys? Or do you kind of lay out and get a lay of the land and get a feel for things before you step up and be that guy as a leader, I mean, vocal leader? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you kind of have to feel your way out and see where, you know, you kind of need to fill in. Like I said, this team has great leadership already. I mean, even on the defense side of all, guys have been here 10 plus years. Brandon Graham, uh, Fletcher Cox. You have vets in the secondary from Slade to Bradbury and all these guys. Uh, but for me, uh, just being coming in for the secondary, I think there's a lot of things that I can help out uh, just as far as bringing just my wealth and experience uh, to some of the young guys in the secondary. Sidney Brown, Eli, uh, Eli Ricks, uh, some of these younger guys. But also, you know, as I'm feeling my way out, there's things that obviously I know I have experience that I feel like I can add to the group, and that's what I would do that. Uh, but like I said, as far as vocal leadership, they these guys have plenty of vocal leadership. Uh, for me, it's just really earning their respect by how I go about my business, how I practice, how do I recover, how do I play in games. 
then, you know, maybe I'll take that next step of being vocal in front of the entire team. But as of right now, I'm just trying to earn these guys' respect by, uh, you know, just doing the, the, the small things necessary on the daily. You're a pro. You mentioned two of my favorite guys, big play, Slay and Bradbury, two great players. All right, really quickly, before we go, you mentioned it off the top. you got a big game coming up. Since you grew up in Philadelphia, you know all about the intensity of the rivalry between the Eagles and the Cowboys. How pumped are you to make your home debut at the link against Dallas? What are your early thoughts on that matchup? Uh, it's going to be incredible. Uh, Dallas is obviously a really good team. They just play really well versus the Rams. I think they put up like over 40 points. So I know they're going to come in here very confident because, uh, you know, we, we definitely had some holes in our secondary or holes in our defense just yesterday we had to clean up. So uh, it's going to be an exciting game. Obviously, growing up, being in Philly, you know all about this rivalry. Uh, it's going to be intense. Uh, it's a 4 o'clock game, so our fans are going to be riled up, probably going to be drinking in the morning. And right around midday, they're going to be super juiced up. So it's going to be super exciting, man. I was just talking to the ticket lady uh, about some tickets for my family. Obviously, I have a lot of family want to come to the game, but – she kind of just told us that, you know, it's going to be limited. They might not have, they might not be able to fill every request. So that I'm having to sit in that text with some of my family members saying that, hey, you know, you might have to make it to the next game, you know. But uh, this, this Dallas game is going to be intense, and man. I'm super excited for it. Uh, it's going to feel like a playoff atmosphere for sure. No doubt. He had seven tackles in his Philadelphia debut. The Eagles win. Kevin Byer joining us. Kevin, I know it's Recovery Monday, man. I appreciate you so much. Thank you very much for coming back on. That was great. Oh, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me, Jim, as always. There's an NFL game on Thursday. There's several games on the weekend. And there's a game on Monday. The Big Head, James Kelly. So a little background for you. James Kelly has worked on this show for over a decade. I've never really known exactly what he does. He's known for having an enormous cranium, an uncanny ability to murder and bludgeon in the English language. But he's a savant. Like, he's really good at picking games. As good as you can be, because really nobody is really good at it. But he's good enough. And it's a fun segment, and it's entertaining, and we're trying to get down. And for the record, when we talk to you about these games and our picks, we are spending our own money. So you know we're putting our money where our mouths are, and there is skin in the game. So, all of that said, I think I will limit any additional small talk today because, well, head... The more you speak, the more the English language does get bludgeoned. So here's a quick right off the top. How you living, head? I'm average. I'd be great if it weren't for Aguilar. I knew it. Lay it out. Yeah. Go ahead. Question for you, Jim. Who in their right mind would put Aguilar on their hands team? Who would do that? I don't know, dude. He's a wide receiver, right? Yeah, but he can't catch the football. I thought everybody knew it. I thought the Philly fan let us all know. He could not catch anything. <laughs> My man just started throwing babies out the window. We was catching them. Unlike Aguilar and his mishaps, I like to put that out there. <laughs> Dude, that, that, okay. So I know that you have 10 favorite things in the world, and I disagree on nine of them, but that mm-hmm. one I agree with. That is an incredible soundbite. And him in video is even better, like I say every time. His uh, eye expressions and his face and everything is gold. Did it, and he's right. Yeah, it was funny. It was funny until that last night, right? Yes. And then it came to fruition yet again. Oh, my God. That's supposed to be the good hands team, right? Yes. The hands team. I saw Aguilar there. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way in hell that ball's going to go to that guy. And it did. 5.3% of onside kicks over the last 10 years are recovered by the kicking team. And Aguilar just upped that number. Here's the thing, dude. Like, I hate, 
I hate to sit here and cry and bitch and moan, but man, there have been some bad beats the last couple of weeks, oh right? Oh my gosh. Between Sean McVegas, John Harbaugh. Sean McVegas. I'm sorry, McVay, Dude, that is so bad. cringe. That is bad. That is yeah. terrible, dude. Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes running out of bounds. The Buffalo Bills and their mishap Thursday. Ravens. Ravens. Yep. Sean McVegas. All right. All right. So, like I always say, Always forward, never back. Let's right. go forward. Let's do it. Raiders at the Lions tonight. Again, to me, this is one of those games that I really want to watch, but given that line, I don't really want to play. I really don't want to bet that game, uh -huh. but we do not have that luxury. It's MNF, so we are getting down whether we want to or not. I'm so pissed about this. All right, so here we go again. Uh -huh. When I saw it this morning and I hit it this morning, there was a hook. Last I checked, there no longer is a hook. What is the line? Is it seven and a half or is it seven? It is seven now. It was seven and a half. It was eight. It was eight and a half. You saw seven and a half. You hit the hook. It is now seven. And I'm going spoiler to spoiler alert, I did hit the hook. <laughs> you should have waited. Here's for... another spoiler alert. I'm pissed. I would be too. It's a big deal, did right? Did you say there. I should have waited? Yeah. I, I just just maybe you know. Well, at least you're not hour. being an armchair quarterback. At least twenty twenty is not a hindsight. Oh, yeah, right. No Thanks for nothing, it. Head. Go ahead. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'll take the Lions minus seven. I mean, every time you think you figure out Josh McDaniels Raiders, they seem to surprise you. But we know a few things about them. One, they play like bleep against bleep teams. That's not in play tonight. But two, their uh, O has been all D and B all season long, and that is in play tonight. They can't run the football. If this is going to become a staple of this, and clearly it is, I don't know how much longer we can do this. Why? It's a great soundbite. Right. If not, not if you want to stay employed. It's not. Well, do you do you like money? Do you like to eat? To do you like to have a roof over your head? Don't you think that's the Raiders fans watching their offense every day or every weekend? You know, isn't it amazing that they can't run the ball at all? No, they can't run. They can't run block. They only had the leading rusher in the NFL last year, but they can't run at all. Correct. The NFL's leading rusher from a year ago is averaging 2.9 yards per attempt. What makes it a, a worse? A full point correct. above your GPA. Heyo. Uh, <laughs> 1.3 to be exact above my GPA. Yeah, I don't know. GPA. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Alex. You know what makes you know what makes it a worse? I mean, it was Thank Alex you, actually. You were actually right. That's time it really was Alex. Thank you, Alan. There you go. What makes this Raiders offense worse, the trio of Airhead, Jimmy Hoyer, the Destroyer, and Aiden Farva haven't been able to beat anyone over the top. They have 13 pass plays of 20 yards or more this season. For comparison's sakes, the Lions have 32. And it's a real problem with that conservative approach when you have an NFL leading 12 interceptions like the Raiders do on the other side of the ball. Low Damn, key. good point, Head. I like that. Yeah, conservative. They won't go over the top. They are conservative. So why is Jimmy G like leading that. the NFL in interceptions like when he's banged up half the time? Yeah, and what a good destroyer. point you just made, dude. Farva, yeah, they're all throwing yeah. it to the other team, which bodes well for our Lions tonight, and that's why we like the Lions, right? All they have to do on the other side of the ball is locate Mad Max. He v. Sewell is an elite matchup tonight. I think the Lions run the football, right. though, and Cannibal gets his guys back out of that poop hole. Baltimore shoved them in and win and cover Lions minus seven here. Yeah, right, a couple of thoughts. Number one, it's usually a good thing when you can run the ball and stop the run, and I think that the Lions can do those two things. Mm -hmm. I, dude, you and I do not root against each other. We're not competitive like that. Right. We're just not. Mm -hmm. But I can't tell you how pissed I'm going to be if it's a seven-point game and you push and I lose because <laughs> I'm at minus seven and a half. Yeah, that wouldn't be fun. That, that would not be fun, I won't even dude. text you on that one.
Yeah, yeah, don't absolutely do not text me on that one. Do not text me on that one and go, hey, yo, I just owned you as much as Rex Lee did back in the day. Don't do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't do that. Well, was that a question? So yeah, I, I honestly had a moment a where I wanted to take the Raiders no, 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 and I wanted to take the points. Coy, I... And especially when I saw that hook, mm-hmm. I tried really, really hard to talk myself into it. I did everything I could to talk myself into it, Same. but I just can't. Because mm-hmm. the Lions are, as you point out, coming off that horrible, humiliating beatdown. So you know your guy, Dan Cannibal, that's what you call him. That's it. Is going to have them foaming at the mouth in this, a get-right, primetime game at home. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. no one has ever accused the Raiders with being a good road team. They're not. No. <clears throat> Meantime, <clears throat> I haven't heard from Raider Mike. Neither have I. Leatherwood. Meantime, <laughs> you're never going to let him forget that, are you? Never. Yeah. The Lions are really good against the spread at home. They are. Not so much this year, but check this number. Mm-hmm. Nine and three ATS at home over the past two years. Damn. 15 and five ATS at Damn. home since the start of 2021. I hate the hook. I hate it even more that you don't have to have the hook, <laughs> but I cannot ignore these numbers. Yes, the Raiders get a lift in getting Jimmy G back. I believe that's a good thing. I don't know if you do. Mm. But I don't fully trust him. He's already busted up, and he's still not that familiar with his new teammates. He still continues to find the other team when throwing it. And for some reason, the Raiders can't run the ball at all. And one of the Lions' biggest strengths is shutting down the run. Again, I hate the hook. I try to talk myself into the Raiders. I just couldn't do it. You get him at minus seven. I get him at minus... Seven and a half. There you go. It's just my life because I hit it too early. You got anything else for me? Yeah, um, some props, so fade me, clones, here. But I'm going to go with Jared Goff under 265.5 yards passing at minus 115. Hmm. The Raiders are not good on defense by no means. Why, do you think they'll run it or you, f- you don't feel good about him passing it? Uh, running. I okay. think they're going to run heavy tonight. And every single – so um, – the Raiders rank seventh in NFL and pass defense and allowing 187 yards per game. The Lions have played five teams that rank in the top 11 in pass D. Goff hasn't thrown for 265 yards against any of them there. So I do think it's going to be run heavy tonight, probably with Gibbs and uh, Reynolds because Montgomery will not go, it looks like. So I'm going to go Goff under 265. Hate that, man. Yeah. I hate that Montgomery's not going, but then again, that number would be different. Yeah, it would. Yep. Gibbs, All right, head. Damn. Anything else? Or are you good? No, I'm good. That's it. Run yeah. it back really quickly. Lions Top to bottom. Minus seven for all of us. Jim's got him at minus seven and a half. And then Goff under 265.5 yards passing. All right, dude. Use your phone wisely tonight. Do not pile on me. I'm not in the mood for it, all right? You want I... to use my phone to call Geller? Maybe to get his thoughts on Bing here today? Are you, are you kidding me with that, dude? Oh, I'm sorry. Did, did you literally just pile on Matt Perry? I love Bing. Get the hell out. Go. Go. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Should I call Geller to get his thought? This guy, man. My dude, John in New York. John, my brother, what's going on? Jim, how are you, Jim? I was at that toilet bowl yesterday. That didn't only set football back 100 years. It sent the human race back 100 years. Does John Maris see what's going on with this team? And even the Jets, even though I'm not a Jets fan, okay, with Zach holding on to the football longer than Brian Weber holds on to a mic, okay, I don't understand what John Maris is doing here except intentionally tanking, Jim. And the Jets fans, 
They left early with, with, with 28 seconds left on the clock. I didn't understand where they were going with two timeouts and them getting the ball back. Fourth and one, what did he? He got a call from Pete Carroll. Brian, you got a call from Pete Carroll, told him uh, kick the field goal instead of give it to your best player on the team. You didn't learn from Pete, huh? I mean, in the battle of the baldness, Jim, it was a disaster all the way around. I can't believe I sat through that garbage in the rain and watched these two pieces of dump try to play football. That's all I got for you, Jim. Straight up. I'll talk with you soon, brother. You got it, my man. John in New York. Brother. He sat through it. He was pissed. We had that call early in the program where the guy was saying, hey, man, you got to give Zach credit. You got to give Zach some credit. What? For taking a couple of sacks that nobody in Pee Wee football would ever take? Good night now!